Hi, my name is Tara Kachaturoff, and I'm the host of Michigan Entrepreneur, where we feature businesses from startup to stellar. Today, I have as my special guest, Adrian Lenhoff, who is the president and CEO of Buzzforia Public Relations and Marketing. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Tara. Glad to be here. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited to talk to you today because we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, or two of them, PR and marketing. So before we jump into what you do at your company as an entrepreneur, why don't you tell me a little bit about your business, what you do, and who you serve? Sure. I originally started the agency in 2001, so we've been around for a bit. We work with clients from across the street, regionally, across the country, and we have clients from around the globe. And we help our clients identify what they're doing that's right and how we can make it better, what hasn't worked for them and why, and figuring out where they are today, where they're trying to go and how fast they want to get there, and we put the connect the dots in place to get them where they're trying to go. And you're doing both, the, you handle both PR and marketing so they can kind of have it all handled with one agency. Correct. Um, I restructured my agency about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I had the big staff, I had the big offices, and had lost touch of why people were coming in the door. And they were really coming in the door to work with me because of my reputation with companies and brands. And I was being put more on managing the staff, managing the company, managing personalities, conflicts, and not really managing strategy and campaigns, which was really my passion. So 10 years ago, I looked at the existing agency model and I felt that it was really broken. Most agencies, this is our web designer, this mm -hmm. is our graphic artist, this is our you know, creative team, mm -hmm. and it isn't a one-size-fits-all. So part of what Buzzforia does is every client gets me, they get my strategy, they get my counsel, they get me on a day-to-day -day basis, so we limit how many clients we have that mm -hmm. we're working with at any given time. But part of what we do is we're talent without borders. Mm -hmm. So part of what I do is I identify with my clients what's the right talent to be putting on their projects, putting on their campaigns, and we can bring them in and bring them out of it as we need them. So number one, clients aren't paying for talent that they don't necessarily need all the time. Two, we're bringing in the best of the best of those experts when they need them for what they need them for. And they're not getting stuck with, with most agencies, putting a square peg into a, you know, into a round hole, per se. Yeah, I, and I like that. I like that you have that agile kind of thing so you can grow and expand as you need to. And yeah, I like that. So it's kind of like a la carte in, in a way. In a way. Um, so in, in terms of your, um, in your business now, I, I was thinking and I was, I had talked to you when you had, a, your business was under a different name. It was like 20 years ago. I didn't realize it was like 20 years ago. I, I last talked to you. <laughs> it's funny. I meet you, meet you 20 years later. Um, it's hilarious. But, um, Back then, you were, were you just doing marketing then? Because that's how I only remember you, is doing marketing back in the early days. When did you add the PR component? Okay, so I started the company originally in 2001, May of 2001. Okay, so I, that's, I had to start, talk to you then. Yeah, and then, and then um, 
September, you know, September 11th happened. Nine, when 9-11 happened, nobody cared about marketing strategy at that point. Nobody cared about what was going to be six months, 18 months, 24 months, even 60 months out into their business. All anyone was concerned about, and the same thing too with COVID, when COVID mm -hmm. happened and even with the, you know, the Great Recession, people stop thinking about marketing strategy and they start thinking about being more re reactive to what's going on. And that's mm -hmm. where PR came into play. So we just happened, I happened to have a talent for being able to identify the right venues, the right avenues to get my clients out there in that earned media arena. So initially I grew the business by other agencies calling and saying, look, I took this retainer from a client. Mm -hmm. We've got a meeting coming up. We've come up with zero in terms of what we can share with them that we've delivered this month. And I'd get that call, pull a rabbit out of a hat. And that's originally, my original agency was called Shazam. And that's how Shazam started. And it was bringing kind of that magical element to what everybody was looking for in terms of kind of turbocharging their businesses. So we've been for 22 years doing media relations. And it's been interesting because some people pigeonhole us in that. But like in 1989, 1990, I was doing what now is being termed social media. So I was activating college students through listserv groups. Yeah, and when we came this. and when I started Shazam, which now is Buzzforia in 2001, 2002, people didn't see the value in the internet and they weren't really seeing the future of community building. So we were initially giving those services away to clients as kind of that added value to show yeah. them this is where you need to be going with everything. Yeah, that, that's amazing when you think back because remember how archaic it was and now look where we are. It's a lot of things you have to keep up with because you have to keep on top of every I mean, trend. I mean, you don't have an option because of what you work in. You always have to be like one step ahead of it. Um, and it's, yeah. it's changing again. Earned media is completely shifting, at least from the consumer side of things. You know, um, now there's so much owned media in terms of businesses being able to have their own platforms that they can completely control. Right. Um, as blogs came into popularity, podcasts, a lot of more um, smaller media entrepreneurs coming into play, the big media outlets really got hit with loss of advertising dollars, mm -hmm. shrinking newsrooms, things like that. So over the last four or five years, there's been a big shift when you're working with consumer products in terms of that earned media. Um, so that's a specialty that we've been really delving into and working with a lot of our consumer facing clients on. Because you're working, I mean, you're not just putting people on like small local podcasts, you're getting people on television networks and things like that and news and things like that. I mean, you're in a whole different kind of arena with your, your folks that you're dealing with, correct? Yeah, we're, we're placing, not, not, you know, we're placing clients regionally, locally, 
nationally and internationally. So, I mean, we've put clients on television in Asia, for example, because they've got markets there that they yeah. need to reach and they need to talk to. Um, we work with clients in California that we're doing more local or regional, but then we're also helping them expand their client base and their client visibility across the U.S., um, across Canada, into Mexico, and into foreign markets. So what's like the main currency in your business that makes you so valuable? Is it your Rolodex? Because you have to know like everybody. <laughs> Here, you know what? Really it comes down to, even without the Rolodex, mm -hmm. if you've got a great story, it's really if you've story. got, or a great product, mm -hmm. or you've got a great vision, you'd be surprised how many media people, from the earned media standpoint, mm -hmm. will, will pay attention. So yes, it's part Rolodex and it's part relationship. A lot of it is experience. I mean, been there, done that. Mm -hmm. At this point, you know, between B2B and B2C, I've worked with probably hundreds of clients over, over the course of my career. So you create those relationships. So um, when you look at your business and you kind of segment it, what percentage of your business is focused on B2B versus B2C? I would say that 80% of our business is B2B. I mean, B, sorry, I, I, B2C. B2C. Okay. Um, about 20% is B2B, but our philosophy is also different than most other agencies. I view that whether we're looking at a B2B audience or a B2C audience, everybody is a consumer. Right, right. You know, so there really isn't much of a difference from a B2B standpoint, you know, I'm working with a couple automotive suppliers, um, I'm working with a couple businesses, um, financial technology businesses, um, et cetera, that are really honed in and catered into that B2B audience. And it just goes to show you, it doesn't really matter if you're just B2B, you still need to tell the right stories because those stories can make connections and the connections make contracts. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so in terms of your business and slicing it a different way, um, are you segmenting, do you, are you, um, do you have more clients in any particular sector than other sectors? Do you specialize in any area? Are you known for any particular area even if you work broadly? I am, I have extensive consumer packaged goods experience. So that's everything from beverage um, and food. Um, I've worked with brands ranging from Stash Tea, which is an international tea company, to having worked with National Beverage for many years. National Beverage owns Fago, they own LaCroix. Oh, wow. They own Shasta, oh, they own wow. Everfresh Juice. Um, I've worked with Bacardi before. Um, right now I've got several um, food and beverage clients, different sectors, mm -hmm. um, so they're not competing with each other that I'm working with. And with them, it's everything from that startup mode of how do we go to market to a brand that's been out there a long time that needs some love, needs some reinvigoration, needs 
something different than what they've already been doing. So for like my startup brands, I'm helping them find the right brokers and putting the right broker networks together so that we can get them retail distribution, um, working with them on the affiliate management side of things, which you know, is where media is changing a lot. Um, working with them on what's their story and how do we capture that story, tell that story so that people start feeling a connection to what they're doing. And another specialty is really working with brands for good, meaning oh. brands that have some sort of initiative in place where they're giving back to the universe a bit. This next generation of consumers that's out there is, is on some levels distrustful of a lot of brands. They're very much engaged and interested in brands and companies that are giving back to the community, are interested in helping the environment. So I'm helping right now a brand out of, out of California that's a vegan certified brand. They just, we just changed their packaging. They were in plastic bottles. They're now in biodegradable packaging. We just hooked up with an organization called Sea Hugger and we're getting ready to launch a campaign for Earth Day and World Oceans Day where we're giving back money to Sea Hugger to help clean all the plastic out of oceans. You know, yeah. so it's looking at things like that. I had a client years ago that was in Walmart. They were getting kicked out of Walmart when they hired me. And this is before You don't want to be losing a Walmart contract. No, no. This would this would have put them out of business. Yeah. And at the time when they hired me, we didn't have in October that big sea of pink that we now have. And I took them to one of the national breast cancer organizations and we cut a deal that the breast cancer organization was getting a percentage of sales mm -hmm. up to a certain dollar amount. We were able to reposition the product and it was a toothbrush company of all wow. things. So it became the toothbrush that could save a life. Wow. And we were able to get the multiple years back into Walmart. We were able to activate supporters of this organization for them to go into Walmart when they were buying the toothbrush, seeking out, we were encouraging them to seek out the store managers mm -hmm. to say, look, I'm here specifically because you've got this product that's supporting a cause that I believe in. And like I said, it bought the client several years more in the wow. retailer than they would have had otherwise. And this is a little itty bitty client that was you know, competing with the Johnson & Johnsons and the Procter & Gamble's of the world. Wow, that, that, those are great stories. Wow, you really are doing some amazing things in terms of marketing. It's not, it's not quite what I even, I had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's those what I'm saying. It's, things, you know, a lot yeah. of people, when they hear my name or they hear the company name, they're like, oh, they just do PR, and it's, it's, no, you yeah. know what? Just, I mean, the fact that you're getting involved in the early on with the packaging, and it, it's the whole arc of the, the product, the whole arc, not just that little piece, like, help me market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this it's, is much bigger than I envisioned. Um, you know, one thing you had mentioned, the affiliate relationships, because that has really obviously changed in the past few years as, as so many radio personalities 
uh, are driven by affiliate things like give my coupon code to get 20% off XYZ. Um, that's very interesting. That's a, is that a big and growing part of what you're doing now? It is, okay, so, so a lot of the major national and international media outlets have had to figure out new ways to monetize their content. So when you see a lot of those lists that will say, you know, the best gifts to buy mom for Mother's Day or the best gifts to buy dad for Father's Day. Oh, or, like those articles and things? Yeah. Those or are all sponsored Most pieces. of those will have a link to where to purchase. Ah, okay. And there's an affiliate component on the back end. So it used to be I could send journalists, I mean, like Stash T, for example. We would send out, you know, 80 huge boxes of tea like every holiday season it was insane and um you know we'd send them to everybody from like drew barrymore to like good morning america the today show um a lot of the print publications which you know are digital and print and other consumer clients over the years and we'd get press no problem Nowadays, a lot, of, a lot of the top freelance journalists that are out there, mm -hmm. they're getting mandates from their editors. You can only work with, for example, Amazon affiliates because we can monetize that relationship. And with Amazon affiliates, they want 500 reviews. So you've got to have a minimum of 500 reviews on your product. You've got to be top rated within Amazon and then You've still got to get the attention of these journalists who, on average, are getting two to five hundred pitches a day, Ugh. and and oh get in there somehow. Gosh. So, you know, two I look at hundred a day. Oh my gosh, that's un overwhelming. You know, so it's not so. Like no, I said, really different. You can have the Rolodex. You can have the relationship. Like I'm friends with most of these journalists on some level or another. Either, you know, we're keeping up with each other on social media, we're going out to eat periodically, we're doing Zoom meetings. But even with that, I'm competing against every other product, so I've got to make, or every other executive from a thought leadership standpoint or whatever it is, so I've got to figure out how to break through the noise and clutter of these very, very crowded marketplaces for my clients. Things have really changed in the world of marketing since I talked to you 20 years ago, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so when somebody, um, who's like an ideal client for you? Um, if, if we're looking at somebody that would be a fit for an agency like yours, what are the qualities, like two or three qualities that you're looking for, for people that would um, at least garner that first meeting you know because i know you, there's certain requirements you have to work with your agency what what are those things what are some things that are important to you you know number one is it uh, you know i i have earned a reputation over the years of being able to work with um a lot of different temperaments of client <laughs> um but really it comes down to number one responsiveness because if we're handling your marketing, if we're handling your PR, and I mean, I, we just, we fired a client that said that they don't check their email or check their phones until like the end of every day. You know, if you- You could miss a whole opportunity. 
when somebody says I need an interview right now, there it goes. Exactly. <laughs> the next person. <laughs> exactly. So that's one is is how badly oh do you how badly do you want this? This is marketing. This is money. Marketing equals money. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So how badly do you want it? Are you going to be responsive? Are you part of what you're hiring us for is our advice and counsel. So are you going to listen to what we have to say? You have yeah. to understand too we're not yes people where we're going to push back. If we've seen other people go down that path and it's not the right path for you, we're going to be the first ones to say, why are you spending your money here? Why are you spending energy? Why are you spending time? Really, I mean, from a client standpoint, it comes down to, am I going to be passionate about what I'm out there right. selling? Right. Because I'm the first face for a lot of these clients that the media is going to see that other potential opportunities are going to see. And if I'm not passionate about it, people are going to be able to tell because it's inauthentic. Right, right. You know. Wow, that's amazing. And, and uh, when, uh, when somebody's like actually looking for an agency to work with, what are a couple things that they should be seeking when, as part of their due diligence? Well, number one, I, I think it's important to look at what they've done with other clients or other other categories that are similar to yours. Number two, are they really listening to where you are today, where you're trying to go? I mean, I've seen situations where clients come in and they're looking for, they need immediate results. They need customers in the door today, tomorrow, yesterday. They don't want to wait six months, nine months <laughs> right. for a lot of these agencies to say, we're researching your segment, we're researching your competitors. Oh, you need a rebrand, you know, and it's taking three months, six months, nine months to get a website up. You know, my feeling is even as we're working from a long, you know, from a longer lead standpoint of where do we want to be three, to year, three years from now, five years from now, What's your exit strategy? Day one that you hire us, I've got to have my eye and anybody that I have on the team working on your account, he has to have their eye on how do we justify our existence to you? And that's from bringing you in sales or bringing you in business from day one. Yeah, and you you, you've got not only the marketing piece, you have a timeline you've got to deal with constantly, which is, which is urgent. It's, it's not like, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's always urgent when it's marketing and PR. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's kind of nice because you've got the PR piece of it as well because it, it's nice to have that under your umbrella because um, often that's some other other business that they have to go to and it's nice to just have the cohesive picture you know all under yeah. one umbrella, you know. And like I said, you know, we'll bring in the right people. You know, there's certain areas that aren't my sweet spot, so mm -hmm. let's bring in those people mm -hmm. who are the experts, you know. Yeah, and, and another thing, um, you know, is, uh, you know, you have to keep your, your, your finger on the pulse of where things are going, which means you constantly have to keep up with uh, what's going on right now. It's AI, it's chat GPT, it's, oh my gosh, what does this mean to business and marketing and 
writing copy, yeah. <laughs> with or without GPT's help, chat GPT's help. Um, where do you see, like, what's that next trend or what are a couple, a, a trend or two that you see um, rising up that maybe other people aren't seeing or what's going on right now that is just big and really impacting people and scaring them? In my world, everybody's scared of chat GPT. I don't know, I've been using these tools for two years. I've been using AI writing and other tools, but it's new to many people. Um, and it's freaking them out, but because it's changing everything. But what is it that's impacting your clients right now? Because we have uh, a very uncertain future. We live in that VUCA world. You know? there, there, there's a couple things. Number one, you know, from an AI standpoint, um, I'm in. I'm involved in several discussion groups that um, are comprised of other other PR marketing people from around the world and journalists at the same time. And what I'm starting to see pop up in those discussions are a lot of journalists who are coming back to these groups saying, excuse me, I shouldn't have to tell you guys, don't have AI sending me your pitch note. You know, so some people are switching to it so much that they're losing that human element and it's coming off a little artificial and it's coming off Forced, and there's not the nuances of being able to talk about, oh, I saw, you know, congratulations on your baby, <laughs> congratulations, you know, yeah. on this or that. Um, you know, it's, it's emerging. There's a lot of lawsuits that are bubbling <laughs> yeah. up too with it. Yeah. Um, so it's hard, it's hard to say. I think more the affiliate side of things and that shift because people aren't recognizing mm -hmm. it. And even if they say they have an affiliate program, they don't understand how to manipulate it or how to, I shouldn't say manipulate it, but how to tweak it yeah. so that they're bubbling up when these media outlets are searching for those, those sources. Yeah. Um, social media is, a, is another one. Um, a lot of marketers are jumping on these newer uh, like platforms. TikTok, yeah. But are you, not. Are you dealing with that with, with many clients? Well, you know, it's like the influencer thing. Yeah. Everybody has to, yeah. you know, use influencers now. And there's a couple things that companies and brands don't understand. Number one, anyone who has a blog or he has any sort of following on social media now wants money. You know, number two, <laughs> all you need to think about is Jared and Subway, yeah. you know, and, and realize that, you know, you still need to not rely on, on exactly. people who are going to exactly. go and next day they're posting on TikTok something that is, you know, against your mission or your company's ethics. Yeah. And now you're associated with it on some level. So there's vetting processes that people aren't doing. There's overemphasis too on some of the social platforms that, um, like, I have a client that the social media person was completely invested in Instagram, which is great, but the consumer is actually a Facebook consumer. Right. Yeah. You know, because there's different generations with different with different platforms. 
Exactly. And so many things to keep abreast of out there. And it's great that you have an agency that is flexible and taking all these in and making all these things available as they are necessary and needed by your clients. I want to thank you so much for taking us around the world, so to speak, with your company and helping us understand what you're doing and how you're working with people. Um, I really appreciate it. And um, my very last question to you is, if you could give one piece of advice to entrepreneurs, what would that one quick piece be? have the passion to go out there and 